I mean, he's been a really good player for a long time. I think the first time we we tried to acquire him was after the lockout. I think that was in 2021. Um, and roughly have been trying to acquire him since unsuccessfully until today. Um, so Welcome to Roughly a Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Boyd, joined by my co-host, Phil Smeraldo, who has a lot less hair than the last time I saw him. Uh, Phil, we are so back. I Right before we started recording here, I was screen grabbing Justin Hollander saying that he's been trying to acquire Jorge Blanco for roughly a long period of time so that I can use it at the top of this episode. And that makes me happy because that means that we are back in the freaking grind of the baseball season. Well, to be honest, it's it's kind of bullshit what they've been doing. They've gone totally radio silent. Like in past years, and I think this, I don't know what your opinion is on this. I think this was a mandate from ownership to just shut up. <laughs> But well, it, yeah, it, after 54 percent, it, it's like, okay, yeah. let's just let's just duct tape Jerry's mouth for a few months yeah, here. But it used to be that Jerry would do not only his regular weekly, regardless of if it was in season or off season, he would do the regular weekly Thursday um, spot on 710. Plus, he would do at least one or two wheelhouses throughout the course of the off season. Yeah, nada. So no not this year. nothing, nope. nothing, no 710, no wheelhouse, no nothing. Well, so the first the first seven ten really... the first seven ten came after the Blanco trade because he came strutting out like a fucking peacock of like, <laughs> <laughs> look what I've done here. I did something yeah, uni- he was, universally he was too, approved. Too cowardly to do it after the Kelnick trade. <laughs> Which fair enough. Yeah. I, it, it is funny though because the, I've been thinking about the Kelnick trade and and there was the the quote that that uh, that Jerry Depoto had after that that's like our off season can begin in earnest today. Mm-hmm. Because of and, and we were like, well, okay, what does that mean? I don't think any of us saw this collection of Garver Rayleigh. Uh, did you have that? Did you hit that four leg parlay? Gar- Garver Rayleigh, Polanco, Santos for for the four big acquisitions after that. Well, I'm glad you kind of like brought this up because it is that that quote. I'm glad you brought that quote up because that quote is kind of really telling about how they viewed the team, right? Like, okay. There were basically two ways the Mariners could have gone this offseason. You know, they could have essentially run it back with Kelnick and left field. Well, let's back that up. Yeah. What? Why, why only two ways? And that's because. Yeah. Ownership <laughs> constraints, of course. Yes. Yes, exactly. But, but there were basically two ways that were. And we've talked enough about the ownership constraints, but there were two ways they could have gone. They could have kept Suarez. They could have kept Kelnick, you know. Evan White and White's contract and Marco's contract and and uh, who else did they get? They they couldn't have brought in back Tay Oscar, okay? Just because I think if you keep those other guys, that's probably outside your budget. Resign Tom Murphy. They probably could have kept Tom. They essentially what I'm getting at here is they could have essentially run back last year's team, mm-hmm. and that would have been basically it. There would have been it, it, no. And yeah, the, just, the justification is that of that is okay. We were right on the doorsteps of the playoffs last year, and we and you were, have a full season of Canzone now. You have a full season of Miller, full season of Wu. Full se- yeah, you could bank on internal improvements essentially. Right. And that that's that's going to cover up the margin from from where we finished last year to getting us over the hump this year. That would have been right. the rationale if 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 you pack it in and stand pat from from last year. Yeah, and I could already see Jerry's like talking points on that. Like our Pythag last year was a 91 win team. We we're better than, you know, we showed blah blah blah. We got cold, <laughs> I think the team. You know, you could you could have easily seen the justification. They obviously 
didn't do that. And that's why I'm glad you brought up that quote about our offseason can begin in earnest because it really was, it was kind of an odd way to do it. I, where it's kind of all this shitty stuff happens at the beginning to try and create that flexible. And I know Mariners fans are so tired of hearing this word. It's almost a meme at this point, but create that flexibility, not only payroll flexibility, but also roster flexibility, right? Like you had to kind of get rid of uh, the Kelnick sort of Suarez kind of uh, that kind of group of guys, because they were pretty stagnant players. Whereas, you know, Luis Urias, Josh Rojas, um, those guys can play multiple positions around the diamond um, and it, it just opens up more more ability to sort of pick where you want to upgrade so they had to do that first in order to create that flexibility so I'm glad you brought that up it was an interesting point that was two months ago when that happened that was December 3rd was the um, was the Kellenic trade and so I think what what we said in the wake of that trade was this has to lead to other things and we expected things to happen more but what we have perhaps underestimated and maybe everyone underestimated is not that much shit is happening in baseball period in terms right. of acquisitions. And so like the Mariners relative lack innovative lack of activity around that. And that for, you know, up until the, the Garver signing and kind of the, the cascade of things that have happened since then is endemic of what's happening across baseball, which is endemic of maybe other things that are happening big picture with baseball too. So it's been an interesting flurry of things. And we talked about the the Rayleigh and Garver of it last time you and I spoke. But we're going to mm-hmm. talk primarily about Polanco and Santos in, in this this episode here. Um, I have three notes about what what uh, what these two gentlemen have in common. Um, in common? Yes. Do you have? Gee, and, you guys. And, <laughs> <laughs> that's the third that, one. <laughs> that's the third one? Okay. That was the first thing that jumped out to me is like, the Mariners never shy away from PED guys. Nelson Cruz, Robinson Cano, Jorge Polanco. Like they've had, I, I don't know, maybe other teams have a lot of PED guys. I feel like the Mariners have had a disproportionate amount of guys <laughs> who have gotten busted for roids. I mean, it is one like market inefficiency, right? It's like these guys have these <laughs> black marks on them that might deflate their value. Yeah, it's like, we'll take yeah. them. <laughs> uh, yeah, they both have tested positive for uh, stanozolol, which is an anabolic steroid, uh, a, a synthetic androgen in the past, uh, both Cano and or Polanco and Santos. Uh, that's the only interesting one. <laughs> the other two are pretty boring. They're both coming from the AL Central, Polanco from the Twins, Santos from the White Sox, and they're both Dominican from the south side of the island uh, pers- oh, that's uh, cool. uh, for both of them. Talk about the Jorge Polanco trade specifically first out from the Mariners ecosystem Justin Topa we will miss you um a a true high leverage king in 2023 one of the reasons that the Mariners were uh as decent in one run games as they were last year uh they were great but they were held together by Topa's performance Anthony Desclafani what what what's your favorite moment of the Anthony Desclafani era in in Seattle Probably learning that his name was Desclafani and not Descalfani. And I was going to be so screwed up with that the whole year. I'm glad he's gone. I don't know what he looks like, and I never will. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's one picture of him. It was like, well, you know, when the Mariners Twitter does like, welcome to Seattle, you know, uh, Anthony Descalfani and Mitch Hanniger, whatever. His picture, he looks so grumpy. He's like one of the non-smile guys. So <laughs> Because they, they told him <laughs> when he did a set down for it. It's like, yeah, you're you're not... You should not buy a house in Seattle. <laughs> okay, real talk. Do you actually think the Mariners or any organization, because every organization has done something like that, where like Penn Murphy, it's happened like six times this offseason just alone, where someone picks him up and then drops him, picks him up or trades him, whatever. 
Do you think they're upfront with the guys like you may not be here for very long? Don't get that comfortable. Like, don't make plans. I think with their agents, they are. Yeah, to to, to a degree. And I, I think like baseball players, if anybody knows this shit pretty well of like how it goes and just like the right. the, the 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 turnover and the these guys are just used to like, hey, you uh you need to go pitch in. <laughs> in like this random town in Arizona in like two hours. Like they're, yeah, they're, and they're, they're good with this. it. <laughs> right. Like, do you think, okay, for instance, like, do you think Marco Gonzalez, like, was he like, he was oh, not I'm happy. So excited. <laughs> no, but like, no. was he like, I'm so excited to be a brave or whatever. Like, or, or was that, that not a thing? I, I think in that situation, everyone knew that he wasn't going to stick with the Braves. Right. So, like that was not going to happen. Now, it, so at that point, he's probably just hoping, like, please not Pittsburgh, please not Pittsburgh. Please <laughs> not Pittsburgh. And now here he is in Pittsburgh. So, I, I think that's that's tends to be how it is. But but I think the agents are are, are very keen to like the the, yeah. the the big picture things here. Because if not, Matt Chapman would have signed already, right? Like the, there's there's there. Well, you mentioned the slow off season and. You just brought up Matt Chapman. Do you know what all these big guys that haven't signed yet have in common? Speaking of things that people have in common, uh, PED use. No, they're all Scott Boris age uh, guys, and Boris is like classic with this kind of like tactic of brinksmanship. He did it with Bryce. I don't think Bryce Harper signed until like the middle mm-hmm. of spring training when he signed. Like he is a classic delay guy, and I don't know what the strategy is there, but whenever it's boris clients on the market it feels like the the offseason goes really slow if the big if the big clients are boris guys like if otani had been a boris guy he might not sign he might not have signed yet yeah it's possible um that 13 year deal that harper signed in 2019 was on february 28th so yeah so like spring training essentially middle of spring training Right. It was it was fully in spring. It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, like the guys haven't shown up yet. It was it was right. Like they were playing games already. Yeah. Yeah. It could it could certainly happen again. Uh, Topa, Desclafani. And then on the prospect side, two guys that you pretended to know who who they are, but nobody actually did. Gabby Gonzalez and Darren Bowen. No, Uh, I knew both these guys. (laughs) Any any parting words on what the Mariners are are losing in, in terms of prospect value with those two guys? Yeah, Gabby's getting fat shamed left and right because everyone's talking about him now because he has obviously been traded. Everyone's like, oh, what's this? Anyway, Keith Law came out with his um, top 100. Gabby came in at 96, so right on the back end. I think he's a little bit higher on MLB pipeline and I think maybe not even at all included on Fangraphs. The yeah, big thing, Yeah, the big thing with him, everybody talks about is like, this is a huge red flag is his body type, like, and no fat shaming or whatever, but every single publication has said, this guy's kind of like hit the limit of what is acceptable in terms of like able to stay in the field. Uh, He's already completely out of the question to center, no longer a center fielder. He is now like borderline, not even a corner outfielder anymore. And that's going to put a lot of stress on his bat if they have to move him just to prime solo DH. Um, From what I understand, he has fairly good, um bat to ball skills but he is he still has struck out quite a bit more than than what you would like he had to repeat a level um but again he's only i think night what 19 20 years old and he's already he's already you know in high a that's fairly advanced so there's a lot to like about him i think based on what what we understand again i'm not some prospect evaluator here but um anytime you give up a top 100 prospect you got to kind of raise an eyebrow at least a little bit 
Yeah, he just turned twenty in in January. Yeah. Um, so. so fairly, he's fairly advanced for 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 the level that he's playing at. He was he crushed the Cal League, uh, but Modesto is a super super hitter friendly park, and then he struggled a, uh, quite a bit at Everett, which is less hitter friendly. Yeah, ran a three seventy nine BABIP in the Cal League. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's fun. like everybody mashes the Cal League. So Dar- Darren Bowen, uh, a pitcher I believe is a thirteenth round uh, draft pick yeah. by the Mariners a couple years ago the, out of the, UNC Pembroke. Yes, out of freaking nowhere. The thing that got yeah. me was that there was the uh, the discussion about he was the most athletic player in the Mariners yep. system. Like, I'm glad you regard- mentioned that. Regardless yeah. of position, I was like, that's kind of wild. And like, who knows if it means anything? But just it's just like, wow, there's no one more athletic. Like, there, there. Who's the uh, who, who's the like insanely classe? Like, yeah, more athletic than classe. Like, what are we measuring here? Um, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Um, you know, like spark scores yes. in the NFL combine. I think that's a similar like metric that they use, but Bowen was one of those classic guys that it, it sucks to part with because he is probably going to be a decent reliever. Like, I don't think his, his, his upside is that of like, he's starting right now, but obviously we know, you know, guys get cold from the herd as they, the starting herd as they get move up through the minors most likely he's going to settle in as a mid to potentially high high leverage reliever and if if he hits his ceiling and that is based primarily off of the slider characteristics being so otherworldly according to the scouts so interesting guy i don't think he's a nothing piece like he was he was in the mariners top 30 in a lot of publications he was in the mariners top 20 so he's not it's not like uh this is like a player to be named later type situation. He was a real piece. Yeah, and and I didn't know about the athletic thing. So if if that had come out and he wasn't traded, I would have been very uh curious to follow his career given that information, but um you know, this this hopefully is just some somebody that we we forget about. Um and let's talk about Jorge Polanco here who yes, is 30 years 30 years old and it's very funny and more actually uh, devastatingly crushingly sad when people are like, Oh, he's getting up there in age. Then you look, it's like, okay, he's 30 Yep, He's younger than I am. And that's, <laughs> that's starting to happen a lot more. Um, he yeah, is but 30 is not old 30, even in baseball, 30 is like, no, probably 30... back end back end of your prime, like 30, 31, 32. Those are the back half of your prime 27, 28, 29. That's the front half of your prime. Right. Like, 30's not old, in but even in baseball. Let's keep telling ourselves that. Uh, Jorge <laughs> Polanco, second baseman most likely, but there's been talk of him getting some touch at third, although I would, I would guess that the vast yeah. majority of his uh, of his starts are at second this year. Pretty good power. He's a top half of the league walk drawer, switch hitter. That's really great, yeah. Yes, yeah, switch hitter. And I think most importantly, Phil, I am just, I'm not, I'm not calling him Polo. Not gonna, no. Not going to do that. As, not gonna do it. Um, just as you should not call Luis Castillo the Rock or La Piedra, this is just that's that's not. I'm gonna call him Jorge Polanco. If that, if that we even right. kind of we even kind of uh, shied away from Cabby for Caballero when he was. Oh yeah, know, we didn't like that. Yeah, it was. It was. I was trying to think. Yeah. I was like, what's the other nickname that I that drove drove me nuts? And yeah, Cabby was was not the one. It was gentlemen. We, we can come up with our own nicknames, but not not the ones that come like in in the in the box when the player arrives so right yeah the only one that's like the only ones that are acceptable are like the the standard ones like dylan moore being like demo like okay that's fine demo is sure. fine 
you yeah. know, whatever. But uh, I, I prefer to call him the scat back, but that's yeah, him and Haggerty. He earned Speaking that. Of Haggerty, the we should mention Haggerty really quickly. What this Polanco move did is made it extremely difficult for Sam Haggerty to make the team. Um, I don't really see a path at this juncture for him to make the team. And, and would you agree with that? Our friend Silvio from the Sopranos would call that anti-Italian discrimination. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, wh- where is it? Where's his path? Like, I don't think he's ahead of Arias or Rojas for sure. Um, I guess he could play well, in the I've, outfield, but I've, yeah. I've got it. I've got it for you here. Here, here, okay. here's here's the twelve locks of the thirteen hitters to make the team. Okay. Cal, Cal Raleigh, backup catcher X, Ty France, Jorge Polanco, J.P. Crawford. That's five. Okay. Josh Rojas, Luis Arias. That's seven. Dylan Moore. Mitch Garver, Luke Rayleigh, that's 10. Julio Rodriguez, Mitch Hanniger, that's 12. There's one sure. spot left. That person zone. It yeah. ha- has to be an outfielder at this point. Yeah. Uh to for for how that roster is constructed. That you can't Canzone or Tremel or Marlowe. Yeah, it's Canzone, Tremel, or Marlowe. And you know, I guess maybe it's Haggerty and then he's your but but I, I don't think that that serves you long term, like giving the no. other guys run. Yeah. So Sam will start in triple A, which, or, you know, whatever. There's, there's like, one, there's one more, uh, mystery person for that 13th spot. And, uh, who is that name is Cody Billinger. Oh, well, mm. yeah. I mean, hmm. Hmm. I don't know his, his like batted. Everyone's freaked out about his batted ball profile. Cause he does not hit the ball hard. Um, I really don't know what to make of him. I mean, he's had two horrendous, horrendous years and then bounced back very well, well to like the tune of a four war season. Yeah. I mean, he, he had a, he had an injury riddled bad year and then an injury affected decent year and then was great again last year. Cause it's like yeah. he had the, the amazing season, 2019 COVID year and then injury, injury. And then yeah, and then good last year. Good. Yeah. Not, not where he was in LA where it was like a seven one yeah. player, but no, he was good. He was like a four win guy last year. Yeah. But to your, to your point, it does not seem likely that Sam Haggerty would make the team. No. And you know, I, if I had to bet on it, I would still bet Sam Haggerty gets 150 plate appearances this <laughs> year. Course. Just Cause he'll be yeah, starting in DH in game 162 and it'll matter. Yeah. Something will happen. And someone, Mitch, Han- I mean, realistically, he's the first guy up when Mitch Hanniger gets hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yep that will you know happen. what else this does you know what else this does though this polanco move it really pushes ryan bliss pretty far down before we see him and i don't know if that's by design but like he's got a lot of depth to overcome now he's got arias rojas dylan moore sam Haggerty. he's got, he's got some guys he's got to jump and i don't know if he's if that's going to be possible this year really truly yeah, and and you know, I think that's that's okay, right? Like yeah. not not pulling him up um super fast. But let's let's stick with Polanco for a little bit. Your it took you a little bit to get over the uh the sticker shock of of the price tag on this and you did It was high. You you did come around to being like, yeah, this this is a a plus for the 2023 Mariners. 2024, Jesus Christ. So, the way I tend to think about these things is like number 1 as an evaluation is like are we getting the best player in this deal? The answer to that is resoundingly yes to this, but then what I, so that right off the bat makes it a positive, but then you have to kind of look, okay, well, how many years are we controlling the best player for answer to that is two. It's not as much as I'd like, but it's again, it's not a rental. It's, and, got and, two it's years. A, and it's a, it's a team option in the second year. So right. if this is a total disaster, then you can move on. 
you can escape pretty easily. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that's great. Um, and then who is the second best player in the deal? How many years are we giving away of that? Um, or who is the second best player? How many years are we getting? You know, that's kind of how I, how I tend to evaluate these things. Second best player in this deal is probably a toss up between Topa and Gabby Gonzalez. It, it, if you want something that's more sure, you, you, you'd go with Topa, but even with Topa, you're looking at a guy who has had one good season going into his age 33 year with multiple arm injuries. I'm not sure that's even a sure thing. Nothing in baseball really is, but Polanco is the most sure bet to be good this year. Desclafani, he'll eat innings for the twins and that'll be fine, but that's not going to move the needle. I don't think he can do anything that Emerson Hancock or, um, Austin, Austin both. both really yeah. can't. Trent yeah. Thornton so I, it, yeah, yeah, that's not an irreplaceable asset. What is irreplaceable is Jorge Polanco. Like that is a guy who is a first division starter. He is like an, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him an elite starter, but he is a starter on a team that wins the World Series. He's a top, definitely top ten second baseman in, in baseball, and and where the Mariners were, whatever uh, patchwork amalgamation of a second baseman, second baseman they were going to have this this upcoming year before the Polanco trade undoubtedly in the top or bottom 10 to five second base situations in, in baseball. And you immediately get into the top 10. I think that's right. Looking at where they had the most room to upgrade. It's in the corner outfield position X and at second base. And they did that. And that's, I think a a huge win for this year's team and next year's team. If we're looking at kind of this, like uh, the the window is Julio Julio's career. As long as as he is there, that's, I think that's why the 54% thing, like, that's what you're talking about but this particular window before things start to get expensive in a couple of years uh polanco is is a big contributor to both of those yeah i mean i there's really besides it being like if if i could have my perfect world obviously i'd get polanco for free right but the the cost probably I'll put it this way. I, I, I'm trying to get away from like instant, like hot takey reactions of like, oh, the Mariners won that trade. The Mariners lost that trade, whatever. Because baseball really, truly does not work like that anymore. Um, there's so much legwork that goes into these deals. Like teams know what risks they're taking and what, you know, they're bringing on and, and the possible upside. Um, I would probably say still to this like this was an oh i think it's probably a touch of an overpay but it's a touch of an overpay that makes a lot of sense in context and is is an overpay that i'm completely willing to live with and it's not some egregious overpay they didn't give up you know uh brian Wu or bryce miller or something like that or even one of the good prospects like harry ford cole young whatever it wasn't an egregious overpay it was a slight overpay that makes a ton of sense in context that's kind of how i'll I'll couch that. Yeah. It's like a three steps forward, a step and a half to two steps back like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like you, you come out uh, in the green there and that's, that's, that's okay for, for, for this given again, that this is the reality we live with. This is who the Mariners are as an ownership group and all of that. If you're going to acquire like plus players, it has to look like this. Then mm-hmm. this, this is, this is a, a good trade. In, right. In, in my estimation. Uh, I think it's a little bit easier to say that the next one is a, is a good trade. That's you a win. Yeah, you don't have to win. think. You don't have to think so yeah. hard on this one. Uh, Gregory Santos, who is a player that I think most 
people and baseball fans had never heard of because what he was not the closer for the White Sox. He was just a uh, a piece of their back into their bullpen um, last year. But the Mariners acquired Santos for Zach Deloach, Berlander Baroa, and the 69th pick. Uh, nice pick in the upcoming MLB draft, which is a comp pick. Um, and with Santos, they get an absolute smoke show. A 24-year-old with elite velo, one of the best sliders in the game, guy who does not get hit very hard if at all. And heading into this year, which I don't exactly know how they calculate this, but was the number one reliever in terms of zips war on fan graphs over Edwin Diaz, over uh, Felix Bautista, over. Yeah. The Jordan. guy who does zips walk that back though. He was like, <laughs> he, he tweeted, his name is Dan Samborski. He tweeted something about like something weird is going on with Gregory Santos zip zips projection. I have to look into this. Like, so I don't know if he's going to, no, his, he's, he's fine. His numbers are good. We, we checked yeah. them out. Um, <laughs> don't, don't crush my argument here. Uh, this, the, I mean, this, this is, a, but this you is, know, your point still stands. Your point totally still stands. Yeah. Th this is a, this is a, a player who I do not know why he was available for, from the white Sox. This is, seems like and it's someone, five years someone, of control. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. And, and he makes the back of the Mariners bullpen legitimately nasty, not just like, Mariners bullpen effective of like, you're you know, right. you're going to get it with Topa and Spire and piece it together. Um, this is uh, Santos brash Munoz, like fuck with us. That is, that is a beautiful yeah. last three in the bullpen. Totally. And honestly throwing Spire into there too. I, I think yeah. Gabe Spire is a good reliever. Um, I also thought Justin Topa was a good reliever, but whatever. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, clear win. I, I, again, I'm trying to get away from these hot takey things, but like clear win for the Mariners, I should say. It's not like a fleecing or whatever. Cause, you know, the White Sox got Freelander Baroa, who is potentially a, a Gregory Santos esque reliever if he can develop into it. And what do they get it for the pleasure of, of, you know, trying to develop him? They also get Zach Deloach, who, granted, was not going, he was so far down the depth chart with the Mariners. Yeah. He was, I mean, you can count Luke Ray, left-handed out corner outfielders, Luke Rayleigh, Dom Canzone, Taylor Trammell, Cade Marlowe. He was just way too far down the depth chart to ever make any sort of meaningful impact with the Mariners. And he didn't really, to be quite honest, impress that much throughout his minor league career. It was, it was a fairly black minor league career for a second-round pick. Um, a lot of second-round picks go that way. Um, and then the 69th pick, to be honest with you, the pick is probably the hardest pill to swallow out of all of this. Like Baroa is Baroa and, and Deloach is Deloach. The pick could be used to, I guess, maybe nab up uh, a, a, a high school kid that's falling in the draft due to signability concerns. But again, that's such like a, a nebulous abstract value yeah. that I have. I, I really don't, I don't care that much. Um, yeah. I, I just think it's, it's a clear, this makes the 2024 Mariners better and it does not make the 2025 and beyond Mariners worse. It's just, it's a clear win across the board. Someone pointed this out on Twitter. Just like, it's just a way of thinking of, about this trade. It's just like the return for all of this for Gregory Santos, you can get back in the next draft. Like, in right. terms of, like you can find yeah. a Zach Deloach, you can find a, a Prelander Baroa and you can find roughly the equivalent of the 69th pick. And and yeah. that, that just takes one draft to get all of that back for a, a very, very intriguing player um, who, yeah, just, just turns this strength of relative strength of the, the Mariners from a, like a B plus 
situation to an A minus or an A. And and that's yeah. I think the construction of this team in total, which is something that we had talked about, you know, when when the offseason started, it's just like it's it's hard to do the instant knee-jerk reaction to one thing and just see what it means. It's like you kind of just have to shut up and watch everything play out and then react. And I don't know if we're at yeah. the final like the, the I think the, we're there. I the think finish we're there. line per yeah. se, but I mean at least at, even if even if we're not from right here, I mean the, the roster construction makes a whole heck of a lot of sense of yeah. you made the offense marginally better. Um and and I think uh, if nothing else more palatable to watch and you just made the pitching you you know the pitching is going to get better based off of the development of Kirby and Gilbert and Wu and Miller and you made the back end of the bullpen better. And therefore, this is a team that can win with that formula um, and still has room to make another acquisition at the trade deadline or maybe to finish right. out for agency. Uh, and th- to be fair, things were looking fairly grim for a while um, when, you know, Dom Canzone was literally your second best hitter, maybe, you know, before, <laughs> like, and however you feel about Dom Canzone, I know he was never the slated to be the second best hitter, but uh, no, it's, it's been since the Kelnick trade, I think everything else that has happened post Kelnick trade has been with the eye towards this year, which is, I think what a lot of people and not towards saving money or towards some, you know, sustainability fetish that they have about like, Oh, the years after and after and after and after and never actually focusing on being good this year, everything that has been done since the Kelnick trade, has been a net positive for the 2024 Mariners. And to be honest with you, most of it has been a net positive for the ongoing concern of the Mariners as well. So yeah, I, all in all, I don't know. I don't, I'm not really a, like give a grades guy, but it was, it was good. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for the, for the season. There is one common denominator with the the four acquisitions. Uh, and it, it's not there. PEDs only explains half of them, at least to our knowledge. Okay. Uh, it is that all of them have some injury check mark on yes. them. Um, yes. yes. Luke, Luke Rayleigh missed a good part of 2022 with injuries. Gregory Santos comes with his own injury issue. Polanco um, has had, did not play a full season last year. And uh, Mitch, Garver, Garver, Mitch Garver has never. Oh, Hanniger as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mitch, Mitch Garver has never played a full season, um, basically. So yeah. that that is the. Uh, you know, it's like if if you roll all five of those dice out, they're not all going to hit six, you know, so the, there there will be some of that. Um, right. But this what team. they've done, what they've done so well this year that they have failed to do in past years is they've built adequate depth behind those guys. Like Tommy Lestella was the fucking DH. <laughs> like what? Well, he started. Day, DH, yeah. So there was the obvious and all that took. All that took was Dylan Moore having an oblique issue. That's the only yep. reason. Like there, you have to have better depth than that. And now the Mariners have that depth. It's okay. Jorge Polanco goes down. Now you just move Rojas back to second base and you start Urias at third base for the time being until he gets back. Okay, Rojas goes down. Dylan Moore slides in there, and you bring up Ryan Bliss. You know you have adequate or Sam Haggard. Excuse me. Before Bliss, you bring up Haggard. You have adequate coverage that doesn't put you in a situation where you know Tommy Lastella and Colton Wong who couldn't hit are taking meaningful at bats and granted it was at the beginning of the season but every game matters every game is important just yeah. as important as 162 
Yeah, definitely. And you know, that, that shitty start last year contributed to the uh, prime Babe Ruth wouldn't, wouldn't help us, which clearly yeah. affected some, at least one person in the, in the one, per- one, one person, yeah. <laughs> one jaded little boy in, in the, <laughs> in the clubhouse, you know? So it's like the, the good start would be nice to, uh, to, yes. to, to not have to like find this amazing surge in July every year would right. be, would be really right. nice. So looking big picture on this season, um, Let's talk about the winsometer, where it feels at for you right now. The Mariners are 12th in odds to win the World Series, according to uh, Caesar Sportsbook, I think, yeah. is where I found this. Yeah. But just, uh, the, you know, publicly available information uh, at plus 2,000. Uh, FanDuel has the over-under for the so Mariners. So what does that mean? If I bet 100 bucks, I win 2,000? Yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, FanDuel has the Mariners over-under at 86 and a half wins. And that feels light. It does feel light. And I think it, this doesn't have to do anything with wins per se, but uh, Darren Gosler, I think it's, uh, I don't know what his Twitter is, but you can find him. He's very active on the Mariners Twitter community, he has the Mariners payroll on his spreadsheet that he tracks at 123 million, which is less, I think it's 12 million or so less than the Mariners uh, payroll was at last year. <laughs> and which is also funny because at the start of this offseason, you asked me, or you were, you were fairly confident that Mariners were going to cut payroll. And I was like, there's yeah. no way they have to, they have to get better as a team, and there's no way that they can do it by cutting The only payroll. reason I was confident that they were cutting payroll is because there had been already a few teams that were coming out and were like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, like, things yeah. are not good. And you knew the Mariners were going to be in that bucket. <laughs> they're, they're not immune like the Dodgers or the Yankees or whatever. The Mar- if someone else is struggling, so are the Mariners. Like- right. So that might answer our question of whether they there's another free agent to, to grab or anything like that. But uh, all of that to say, I do think – 86 and a half feels light. And I feel like I, I mean, at least I, we're not going to set odds by any means, but like, I feel like expectation wise, we can say this is a, this feels like a 90 plus one team. I think that's a good way to put it is like, what's my expectation? What would I be happy with? I'd be happy with a 89, 90 win team. I think there's room for better than that. But I, I mean, I can see a scenario, sure, where they win 85, but I feel like 85 is pretty darn close to the floor. Like 85 is like a 10th percentile outcome. Like a lot of stuff went wrong. Um, I don't know. I don't want to like say exactly what it was because who knows what could go wrong. But 85, 86 feels like a fairly disappointing season. 89, 90, that feels fairly standard. And then 91, 92, 93, that feels like a 80th, 90th percent outcome. Yeah, that's like Mitch Garver played 140 games this yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah, that that, that and like of... Julio Julio does take that step forward and becomes like the eight and a half win player that everyone thinks he can be. And like you know, Ty France bounces back and he's good, and the pitching staff stays healthy, and you know that's like that 90th percentile. Right. Right. Yeah, and, and and like other things like you know Texas does Texas is like an eighty-one win team this year, like that sort of thing too. So right, yeah, yeah, I think like setting rather than setting on the number, but setting on like the upward and the 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 downward like boundaries of what what is what feels capable for this team. I think I think eighty-nine ninety feels feels right. So uh, I don't know, grab that FanDuel app, smash the over. And yeah. uh, and write it out. I think I think I, I I don't know. It feels doesn't feel like free money to me, but it feels feels like safe investment to to go. No, higher yeah, no that. one ever lost money gambling. No, that's why <laughs> that's why gambling runs everything now. Uh, <laughs> that's why that's why Snoqualmie Casino will own Root Sports next year. 
I don't, it's annoying. I, I will say this. I think it's annoying how gambling ads are on like every single sports thing now. It doesn't feel like it has like uh, completely saturated the content. Like I feel like a lot of people who talk about sports but are like sponsored by, uh, you know, the, like uh, like Caesar Sportsbook or whatever are <laughs> still talking in the same way they would have if they were their prime sponsorship was Alaska Airlines per se. But that doesn't mean that that won't happen eventually and that this is just yeah the the moment the moment that i start seeing like little cryons is that how you say that cryon yeah the moment i start seeing like cryons that just run the betting lines like oh bet on what's his like bet on mitch garber to draw a walk here it's seven to one or whatever like and i see that on the broadcast like i'm i'm probably out i i I just i don't like that's (laughs) not it's is that Mark Jackson meme? What happened to the sport I love? Like that's like, that. <laughs> out like move to Norway or out like stop watching baseball. Stop watching baseball. I don't want that. I don't want that to be like the thing everyone talks or focuses on. It's like I like baseball because it's I like baseball. I don't want to gamble on it. Yeah, and there's something to be said of just like you're you're uh, hawking a product that comes with with gambling hotlines like. Immediately yeah. baked into it. It's just like, yeah, we're we're selling cigarettes here. Like let's yeah. let's, <laughs> let's not let's not kid ourselves. We are selling dopamine. Uh and that's that's the business we're in. Alas, good good off season. We are we are slamming our fist on the table to say that. And I don't I, I don't think we're like arguing with anybody at this point. No, like I think I think even the most um I don't want to say pessimistic, but even the most cold i guess i would say mariners fans and i think we all know who we're talking about i think they're they're warming they're warming to it and obviously this is the thing that's irritating is like you know the mariners could have the greatest offseason ever and it'll still be like for some people to be like well imagine if they had the, this x y and z money or this or if ownership wasn't this or that or the other thing why why even watch baseball anymore like is it is it just a source of like cathartic irritation or just I go don't... watch the dodgers like if like if yeah that's, totally if yeah. that's what you really want then just like yeah there's a team that does that um, yeah yeah it's it it is it it's just it's the sport it's you know there's no cap there's no floor like you you can spend how you want and the Mariners have chosen to spend right in the middle and we have to yeah. deal with that as as fans yeah. um i will say though like if like the, there's a relative harmony in, in the Mariners ecosystem and agreeing that this is a good off season, if you want to make it great sign Cody Bellinger, do, do the, do the 35 a year, or it, it probably freaking more than that 40 a year for three years and just do it. And you will see like, they'll start planning the parade for, for, yeah. for, for, for early November. If it's you not- wanted him for three years, it's definitely 40 a year. Yeah. Yeah, it's not happening. And, it's... But I just, I feel like someone's going to go like seven years for like 210. I just, I, I get that feeling that someone's going to do that. He he is a spiritual, like, match made in heaven for Philly. It's, it, yeah, it just, it, the Dabrowski angle, the ownership angle, like. You know who it, I see, you know who I see getting him? Los Angeles. Angels. Oh. I should say. Because they lost Otani, you know, they have the payroll space, like. They want they Moreno likes to spend money. You know, he's never been shy about spending money. I could see it. I could see a match there. Either him or Snell, one of those two. 
Yeah, ne- neither signed. And I think the the Snell uh, to to Seattle thing, I, I That's feel dead. I, yeah. it, it was it probably always was dead, but I feel like the the way the the offseason has played out, uh, we can officially yeah. put that to bed. Although, how okay if if you want to spend that money, I think actually a better use of it would be we're not we're spending theoretical dollars now. Why not sign Snell and then trade, put Wooer Miller as the headliner and go get a Rosarena? Yeah, I mean that that the thing is like that has always been on the table, but I I, I just. I feel like this front office is like filing adoption papers for Wu and Miller. Like the, yeah. they, 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 they love, love those two. They kids. love these guys. Yeah. And, and that was never not, I don't know about never, but for like, I think the the player, the get back might even have to be better than a Rosarena for, for that right. at this point to give up on the dream. Anything else? I think that's it. I think that's it. That's it. Good trade, uh, official. Um, if you like what you heard, give us a five star review. Follow, tell your friends that we are the uh, most level headed Mariners podcast around here. And uh, when there is more news to talk about, and when we have a clearer picture on the the end line heading into spring training, uh, we will we will get back on the mic here. But until that, uh, we'll just kind of hang around waiting for news. All right, we'll see you later. See y'all. Take it easy. Bye. One more thing for you, buddy. See ya!